This episode is brought to you by McDonald's. Not sure you've heard of them. <laughs> Up and coming uh, little restaurant, but they're making it. They're the little engine that could. You know, the moment of bliss when you spot your fries being scooped into the carton and suddenly time slows down. I have that all the time. I love their fries. Oh, yeah. yes. McDonald's fries hit different when they're free. That's another thing I'll tell you. And when they belong to your friends, there's no better feeling than thinking you're out of fries and then you discover extra fries at the bottom of your bag or else my son still hasn't finished his fries yeah. and I'm done with mine. And uh, he used to be weaker than me so I could just take them. Yeah. Now I can't because he's stronger than me. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no wrong way to eat McDonald's fries, but we all think our way is the best way. And I like stealing them from someone else. That's my favorite <laughs> way. Get your favorite McDonald's fries today. McDonald's, check them out sometime. They're everywhere. Mother's Day is May 12th. And in advance, Sona, happy Mother's Day. Oh, thank you, You're Conan. a terrific mom, and your kids are here today with Did us. you get me a present? I'm Well, it's not May 12th yet, but oh. I'm getting you one. Okay, thank yeah. you. Well, guess what? Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. You can shop by price category or browse curated gift lists ranging from for the mom who has everything to the gifts that are already wrapped and ready to be gifted. I, I like when you can so go by easy. price because I can go right down to the bottom. Oh, <laughs> Get lines of something for a dollar. Sorry, baby. Oh. <laughs> Top gifts include Beats headphones, digital photo frames, Polaroid cameras, and the Samsung smart TV, The Frame. Oh, yeah. Shop now at Macy's.com slash gift finder. And happy Mother's Day, moms. Mm. Hi, my name is Lin-Manuel Miranda. And I feel great about being Conan O'Brien's friend. You sort of messed up my last name. O'Brien? It's O'Brien. <laughs> O'Brien. I'm French. Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell, brand new shoes, walk and lose, climb the fence, books and pens, I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Hey there, and welcome to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. This is the podcast that is, uh, well, it's just a joy to do. I love doing it, where I get to talk to people I really admire, people I'd like to be my friend if they would agree to do so. And I'm always joined by two people who uh, either add or detract. <laughs> I'm not sure. We've done some internal investigation and we've found mostly negatives. But they're here and what are you going to do? Uh, first is my assistant, Sonam Obsessian. Hi. How are you, Sona? You know, I got the giggles. You got the giggles. I do. I'm yeah. sorry. Matt and I have the giggles. You got and, and Matt, you have the giggles as well? Big time. <laughs> now, you guys laugh because you... Let's get this out in the open. You laugh because sometimes I say, let's record the podcast, and then you think I take too long a pause before I say hello and welcome. Well, it's not like you come in and go, let's record the podcast. We're set to go, and you go, ready? And then it's like 60 seconds of silence, and we're sitting there... And it's yeah, so that's the my, anticipation. That's my method. Oh, it's good. It just makes you, us laugh. Do you think, it's almost like you think I'm setting the bar too high. I make everyone be quiet and I like 60 seconds of pure silence. <laughs> and then I lean into the mic dramatically and I say, hello there and welcome. Yeah, it's so it's casual. And it's, There's such a buildup for and this. It's, it's your it, voice. You know what I love is the disparity <laughs> between the amount of time and preparation yeah. and silence and then just 
well, hi, how are you? It's yeah. Conan O'Brien. There's yeah. nothing. It reminds I mean? me of when my like parents would pray at a dinner table, and you're not supposed to laugh at that moment. You know? <laughs> right. So you laugh when other people are observing God. Oh is that what God. you do? You find that laughable when others <laughs> no, when others just, thank a higher power for no, what they have in their how life? you're not supposed to laugh at yeah, that moment. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I guess we all chuckle with that <laughs> for the gratitude. Um, you're a terrible man, Gorley. Terrible. Um, let's pray. Let's pray. Uh, Sona, mm-hmm. you look nice today. You're wearing a nice summery dress. You do Thank look you. Nice. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's like a it's peasant dress. Out. It's like a like a long. It's like a bohemian dress. It's yeah. very yeah. flowy and comfortable. Is that an Armenian? Uh, what I'm saying is, watch is that some, no, no. I'm. This is a question. <laughs> Why is that? Watch it. This is me asking you. Do you are there clothes? Is there clothing? Why is this me? Watch it. <laughs> <laughs> You know why. No, I don't know why. I'm asking, I'm curious about your culture. I have taken you to Armenia, did I not? You did. Okay. I took you to Armenia. We did a great show there. I'm just curious, do you have any clothes that are Armenian that you put on for your parents to celebrate Armenia? And then, and I would wear it to a podcast recording? Is I don't know. Is that what just, you're asking me? Yeah. Just, I looked at that long flowy dress and I thought maybe that's uh, Armenian. No, this is not traditional Armenian clothing. This is just a dress. Right. You just, that's just like Ann Taylor or, or B. Dalton's or. <laughs> what is happening? I'm taking a stab at, I don't know any dress names, but I'm just, I a think. bookstore. I just, I, I just went for it. What is that? You know, ras, raspberries or, I mean, I just. I, so B. Dalton is, yeah, that's a bookstore. Okay. I don't know anything oh about my God, what people. Good. Is I don't a sharper know. image sweater you got on? <laughs> Where's that? Is that, a, is that a Black & Decker? What is that? It's is my GameStop t-shirt. I'm just curious. I don't know. I don't know. But I think Ann Taylor might have been right. Ann Taylor, Ann Taylor yeah. was right. You know was why I know Ann Taylor? Between those Do you know two. why I know Ann Taylor? Why? Because I remembered when I was in college once, and I heard two girls fighting uh, like through the next, do- you know, through, uh, through the, it was a thin wall in college. And I heard these two girls who were roommates fighting and one had more money than the other. Uh-oh. And the one that was poor was saying, I can't afford all the nice things you have. I can't get dresses from Ann Taylor. <laughs> oh my God. And I just remembered that being drilled into my head. I didn't even know. And to this day, when someone, the name Ann Taylor comes up, I think, Ann Taylor. I couldn't get books from B. Dalton. <laughs> right. I couldn't get tools at Black and Dagger. <laughs> so, uh, well, I'm, I'm. Yeah, Ann Taylor's too classy for me. I don't wear Ann Taylor. Yeah. Um, okay. And Gorley, you look, uh, you look nice. You do. Thank you dress you. very nicely. Thank you. You're wearing sort of a, a light summer suit. It's nice. It's very. Uh, it's not true. It is true. It's a light poplin. <laughs> it's a light. It's the suit that uh, Atticus Finch wore. That I would wear. Gregory like a, Peck a seersucker. Wore. Yeah. Yeah. You. Are, it's a three piece. It's no, nice. no, no. Yeah. <laughs> often you can't picture Gorley, but he's often uh, dressed uh, as sort of a genteel. A southern lawyer in the 1940s. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury. Yeah. I come in. Yeah. I do wish I had a seersucker suit, though. I know you mock me for these kind of things, but that's one that I'll I'll wear. Do you have a pipe? You look like a guy that might have a pipe. The only reason I have a pipe is- Do you have a pipe? Do you have a pipe? Wait, wait, wait. wait. Do you have a pipe? Wait. Answer the question first. Do you have a pipe? You have a pipe? It was my grandfather's pipe. Oh, sure. Yeah, of course it was your grandfather's (laughs) pipe, you freak. (laughs) 
You have a pipe. I knew it. Doesn't he look like he has a pipe? It's my grandfather's I, pipe. It was given to me. I didn't go get it on a quest. What do you mean your grandfather's pipe? It was something that was in your grandfather's mouth and it was given to you? Yeah, but that's, that's like strange. the same as getting like your grandfather's flask. Or his teeth. Oh, I wish. Have you ever smoked out of it? No. Oh, come on. I've Are never you gonna? smoked a pipe. Like a, you know, a pipe. You will, like a, you will. You know. Yeah, what you got there now? Well, I was just he's thinking. He's getting a little smiley now. He's getting, Gorley's getting. The look a little, on Sona's face is like, do you want to go down there, Gorley? Gorley's getting a little smiley, yeah. which usually means trouble. Yeah, what you got there, Gorley? Nothing. Ah, yeah, I nothing. He almost went for his gun, but he didn't draw. <laughs> no, I didn't. Coward. No. Okay. I'm excited about today's show. Sona's wearing her Armenian dress. <laughs> Gorley is wearing a... Uh, White seersucker suit, uh, and uh, he's fanning himself. Oh, my. My guest this week, I'm very excited about. They don't get much bigger than this, I got to tell you. That's right. Nope. My guest this week has, what'd you say? I agreed with you. I said, nope. Oh, I think you said no. I did say no. They don't get much bigger than that. No. Yeah. Okay. They don't not get bigger. What's that? <laughs> Double negative? Not even. They don't not. Not even don't not get no bigger. My guest this week has won an Emmy, a Grammy, a Tony, a Pulitzer Prize. What else can you win? Podcast award. There aren't any. He's an actor, composer, playwright, and producer. He's also the creator of one of the most successful musicals of all time, Hamilton. If you don't know who he is by now, you're a fool. He's currently working on the movie adaptation of his hit musical, In the Heights. We are thrilled that we are joined today by the brilliant Lynn. Well, Miranda, welcome, sir. I've been looking forward to talking to you on the podcast because we have so much in common. Indeed. We are both uh, the sons of uh, Puerto Rican parents. Indeed. And <laughs> we both wrote Hamilton. And um, in that way, I'm surprised we haven't really talked before. It's weird. It's a little weird that we haven't talked My before. Hamilton, I wrote first. It was not successful. Mm. Uh, I then wrote a musical about Hamilton Fish, the uh, Secretary of State in... Uh, the late 1890s, that went nowhere. That went nowhere. It went nowhere. Yeah. And I tried rapping. That was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Sona, you can tell I try rapping every now it's, and then. It's awful. Okay, it that's enough. It is the that's, worst rapping please, I've ever that's heard. Yeah, I mean, it's you asked her so to jump bad. in and she jumped yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. I, uh, I, I immediately was ready. regretted it. I immediately regretted it. At the ready. It. Awful <laughs> rapping. Uh, one of the things that I immediately struck when I met you is you have such a great sense of humor and you're so funny and... I realized that that's a skill you probably developed when you were a kid. Yeah. Because that's what has to happen. It's a survival instinct. It's, it's, yes. And that this is a, I thought this would be a good starting off point, which is when you're growing up and you're a kid and you're insecure, at least that was my situation, and then you realize, wait, I, I do have this one thing. I'm going to see what it's worth and develop it. What was that like for you? Yeah, for, for me, it was, it, was, it was interesting. I got, I sort of won the lotto when I was five. I got into this like magnet public school called Hunter uh, for smart kids. And I walked in there and realized, oh, these kids are a lot smarter than me. I went from like a nursery school uptown where I was the only kid who knew how to read. Uh, and I would like have like quiet time while they, like I had like my own like play time while they were all learning cat bat. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I'm over here <laughs> putting on a show for myself. Yeah, I'm Einstein because I know how to say cat and bat. <laughs> exactly. And then I went to this school where, you know, I remember 
Talmudic discussions on the existence of Santa Claus and like w- like literally I, I have this memory of like a six year old being like what's so unrealistic about a guy who helps people and gets them presents and maybe it's not one guy but like really like <laughs> doing like a That's hardcore justification and being like yeah. this guy's making some good points yeah um, and I realized that like being funny is like the only currency to keep up when you are like sort of treading water to stay afloat I think intellectually I was like oh but I can be funny and that's the only currency that matters among smart kids I found out early I was interested in girls early on uh, and but I had no skills uh, in any other department it was literally going through a checklist of athlete no uh, you know I'm I'm this I'm, I'm real super good looking and the you know no I just I was going through the list and it was just no 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 sense of humor so I doubled down on that yeah. and I found that uh, that was sort of my way of trying to have some game mm-hmm. but um, then of course whenever a girl was slightly interested I didn't know what to do Yeah, you know I don't know if you used it I mean do you have good game uh, did you have game back in the day with, with the ladies <laughs> uh, I mean I know no, I was a theater kid I mean theater kid again it was it's similar to what you said in terms of like finding your lane and doubling down on it and for me that was theater we had sort of the sixth grade play which was Every kid in the grade had to be in this musical, um, even if you did not care at all about musicals. And uh, I think they ran out of age-appropriate musicals by the time I reached sixth grade. So we did 20-minute versions of Oklahoma, Bye Bye Birdie, Peter Pan, a mashup of The Wizard of Oz and The Wiz, West Side Story, and Fiddler on the Roof. Uh Uh, And I got cast as Conrad Birdie. And I don't know if you're familiar with that show. Bye Bye Birdie, yeah. That's, he's Elvis. Yeah, And so like suddenly all, I'm 12 years old and three feet even. And suddenly all the girls and boys have to faint when I sing. Like it's in the script (laughs) that they faint. And I was like, well, why would anyone do anything else for a living but this? What was your Elvis like at that age? I had the curled lip down. I like, I remember, I don't know if you did this, but like, I remember working on my facial expressions because I was like, I'm going to be an actor one day and I'll need to know all of them. I thought the more facial expressions you had, the better an actor you were. And so I remember like literally holding my lip in place until I could develop the muscles that curled it. Oh, wow. You are curling it amazingly well right now. Like you have, like there's fishing line attached to the end of your lip. That's That's crazy. That is a a sixth grade, before sixth grade summer honed scale. Same with the eyebrow, same with the arched eyebrow like I remember like holding in place until I knew what muscles like kept it up um, that's intense I was a very lonely child <laughs> so you walked so you walked around for a while you walked around for a while be, as Elvis thinking yeah. this is gonna work yeah and I, I got cast as, as that part and then the fact that like girls I had crushes on, girls who had never knew I existed, had to faint. There was like 40 kids in my class, and I'm going, if you're really sincere, and I'd move my hips, and then they would fall. Yeah. If you're really sincere. <laughs> and, and, they would, and I was like, this is the greatest moment of my life. Um, and it's in the script. Right. And then sadly, you, you left uh, the auditorium and was trying it on real people. And they were yeah, like, it didn't, didn't work so well. You have 12 year old gyrating wildly. <laughs> he has epilepsy. No one. <laughs> Get him some medicine. He's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then, but I, that was my lane. And so I started auditioning for shows in middle school and high school. And I think being a theater kid is like, it's such a, it's such a magic bullet in high school because you get to meet friends from different grades. Mm-hmm. So like the drama of your grade,
grade. You can take a break from it. You can go, oh, I can go hang out with my older friends who I was in a play with. Or I could like hang out with these younger friends because the world is feeling too real. Um, and so, and then you learn to collaborate. You learn to like make something bigger than yourself and all that stuff. The issue I had, and I think it hurt me when I sort of experimented or dabbled at all in theater, was my only interest was in being funny. And I was always thought, I'm really impressed with people that can, you can do both. You know I mean? I know you can be, you can be really funny, but you can also access real emotions. And I thought, wow, I just, I don't know. That's, that's, I cannot do it. Couldn't do it if you put a gun to my head. Really? Yeah. I can't. That's i I'm a broken man. <laughs> well, this is over. <laughs> that's all I really wanted to do was get you in here and tell you. <laughs> That there's a piece missing in me, yeah. Um, and now it's your problem. Now yeah. you have to. Uh, I'll carry man. that around for the rest of my life. <laughs> the rest of things. your life. You've said that songs can, uh, and, and this is a lot of people say that songs affect them, music affects them. But even as a little kid, there are certain songs that you could hear, and you would become openly emotional, like yeah. "Bridge Over Troubled Water" or something like. Yeah, you, my parents tell a story that that would play, and I would just bur- like as a baby, I would like burst into tears. "Bridge Over Troubled Water." I remember being devastated at Stevie Wonder's I Just Called to Say I Love You, which is a nice song. It's a ballad, but right. if you listen to the lyrics and you're think of it from a little kid's perspective. No New Year's Day. What? what? <laughs> to celebrate. No, like, candy. Like, no, no first of spring. What? No song to sing. In fact, it's just another ordinary day. Oh, fuck. And then, like, I, I, I couldn't make it to to the turn where it's like, but I love you. Right. <laughs> I no, you can't like, get that it's far. It's all over. Right. <laughs> and I would just burst into tears at no New Year's Day. <laughs> well, I saw a three-year-old in the corner eating, <laughs> drinking gin and crying. <laughs> yeah. It's just a list of like <sighs> shit going away. It's like Twitter today. You know, what's funny too is that you don't, yeah, you don't also, I don't think a lot of kids, I mean, I wasn't even aware of listening to lyrics that intently. You were really listening to yeah. the lyrics. I think so. I think a lot of times I wasn't listening to lyrics so much as just singing the song and the song could be horribly sad but if I like the melody right. I was just like hey <laughs> and then I would happily <laughs> sing a song about you know people starving to death in Ireland and <laughs> right. in a sort of chipper well I mean some of the happiest the most joyous songs to sing are deadly depressing Irish drinking songs where mm-hmm. like the content is like wait a minute, (laughs) what are we singing about? Right. And that's a thing in Latin music too that I love. Sometimes it'll be like the bounciest, happiest meeting in the world, but it's actually a song about like the terrible medical conditions in the Dominican Republic. (laughs) And you're like, wait a minute. (laughs) I just stopped shaking my hips and listened to the words for the first time. This tune is burning (laughs) up the charts. No, me diga que lo medico se fueron. What? (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic. Uh, Something that I... Also, I'm very fascinated by is the concept, and I've talked about it before on the podcast, but this very popular and kind of hackneyed concept that great work comes from suffering and depression. And I have always battled with that because I've thought, really? Yeah. I, I used to really believe in probably in a Catholic way that I needed to suffer a lot and, and, and feel terrible in order to make something good. Yeah, I'm a recovering Catholic too. I know that but, 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 <laughs> sentiment very well. But I know you're aware of the sentiment, but I do feel like a lot of great, you've produced a lot of great work and that it hasn't necessarily come from a miserable place for you. Yeah. Is that right? Well, I think that there's two different things. There is accessing what you need to access to create your work. And that can come from the saddest part of you, the angriest part of you. And then there's the working conditions under which you're creating this work. And I think that's where we confuse things. You know, I think that when I realized 
Hamilton was what I was going to write about and I was stuck with him and his ghost was going to haunt me until I wrote it all out, I realized I was going to have to go to some very dark places with inside myself to find the things to write that story. And you can look at that as an opportunity. Oh, like I can have an affair, but I don't really have to have an affair and fuck up my marriage, but I can write about it and write about the guilt of that and how horrible that feels, losing a child. I mean, all the worst things happen uh, to Hamilton in addition to some wonderful things that happen. And you can access that in a safe way if you're writing about it. You can go there emotionally. You can figure out what that feels like and then write it down. Um, I think where a lot of artists get confused is they think that the they need to literally suffer. Yes. Um, you can go, you know, I... This is where I'm very grateful that my mom was a psychologist and realized I was doing this no matter what, mm-hmm. um, because she not only sort of gave me the it's all grist for the mill speech a million times as a kid, like, oh, you're sad? Like, good. Remember how this feels. You're going to be a writer, right? So you're going to have to access this again someday. Um, and like kind of peppering that in. And she also used that to get me to do shit I didn't want to do. Like, no, you're going to take out the trash. You're a writer, right? You're going to have to know how this feels. Take out the fucking trash. Um, so it also became a way of getting me to do things I didn't want to do as a child. You're going to go to the 7-Eleven and you're going to take that payday bar. Yeah. Because <laughs> right. you need to know what it's like to steal. Now go do it. Yeah, now go feel alive. Yeah. Bring mommy your payday. Um, but the other part of that is I think people all – there's this myth of creative tension creating great art too. And I think that's horseshit. I get really stressed out and sad and eat when I am in a situation where I'm fighting with my collaborators. I feel really lucky that I found Tommy Kale who mm-hmm. really believes that like we don't have to – kill ourselves and each other to make great art. Like we can, we can just get in the room and have spirited debate to be sure, but like make the same thing and like just get marching in the same order. And I think that's, um, I think a lot of people bring that myth, uh, to destructive ends, uh, in their work. I think a lot of it too, frankly, is people that have ability, have talent, but they happen to be miserable people. And that doesn't really have anything to do with their ability to create. And so the two get conflated. So people say, well, he's a terrible asshole and a misanthrope, but he he wrote a great musical. What's the great Lorne Michaels joke that he always tells? Like, you know, the patient is sick. My my brother thinks he's a chicken. I would would take him to the hospital, but I need the eggs. I need the eggs, yeah. Right, which is, you know, can justify all manner of bad behavior. Right, and I think that is something that, uh, I don't know, I've been like on a personal crusade (laughs) to (laughs) to, uh, people can do good work and be nice and should be be expected to be nice. And and, uh, if they're not nice, you need to tell them, hey, that wasn't very nice. Well, I wouldn't. I'd have someone do it. <laughs> and if they, didn't, if they didn't do it, I'd tear them a new asshole. <laughs> um, you found out that rhyming was your superpower. I'm, I rhyme all the time, uh, but I, I'd say it's horrible. It's terrible. Yeah. Right, Sona? Yes. Yeah. He and does some of the worst raps I've ever heard. I don't know back. if I mentioned that Please. yet. Yeah. You said, okay. You can take a really great song and just ruin it. I easily. love, and I love to do it. Were I love, you like a Tom Lear, Weird Al guy growing up? Did you like parody music? Because Weird Al was really know, essential for me. Yeah, yeah. I know Weird Al was was uh, huge for you. I was. I'm a bit older. I. I wasn't as much into Weird Al and into parody songs uh, when I was a kid, but I loved, I I can't remember lyrics, Mm -hmm. but I love to sing, uh, (laughs) you know, comically. And so I just make up my own lyrics and I've always done it. And I, I don't, I will happily sing like a song that's, uh, you know, like whatever, number one on the, on the music charts, but I absolutely have no idea what the lyrics are, but doesn't stop me. And I'll rhyme, um, 
I'll work in Beef Au Jus and Superman <laughs> and all this stuff that's just random mush. I've never heard that word said out loud before. I've only read it on menus. Yes, Beef yes. Beef Au Jus? Uh, yeah. I always say, what are you going to do? Uh, my favorite food in the cafeteria was Beef Au Jus. Uh, and, um, and I mean, these songs are just absolutely stupid and I sing them with great conviction mm. and drive people around me insane. But you realized early on, like you, you call rhyme one of your superpowers. Like you figured out like as kind of a power that you had. Yeah, well, it was, but like one I worked really hard at. Like I said, like Weird yeah, Al was right. my guy. Like I remember loving the Michael Jackson song Bad and mm-hmm. then hearing the Weird Al song Fat and be like, this sounds exactly like the other song, but it's funnier. Like, right, right. ipso facto, this is a better song. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Jackson missed an opportunity here. Yeah, I mean, he, he teed it up, but Weird yeah. Al knocked it out. <laughs> and that's kind of how I feel about half of half to two-thirds of Weird Al's parody. I'm like, yeah, I, I probably, I've still never heard the Kinks' as Lola. I've only heard Yoda. <laughs> it's, I can't well, imagine Lola will surpass it. That's just kind of wrong. <laughs> but I think I always, um, I really enjoyed... Uh, one, I think when you grow up loving Weird Al, you learn that genre is fluid and that like you can work in any genre and that's just instrumentation and you learn to love different kinds of music because he parodies lots of different kinds of music. And also you just learn to have fun with words, like you fall in love with words and mm-hmm. how they sit on music mm-hmm. um, and how the right words in the right place can be fucking hilarious. Right. Um, so that was, you know, I'm really grateful for that but the rhyming thing I'm also like a little younger than hip hop music there was never a time it didn't exist in my life right Um, and so you know I was listening to it constantly growing up and then it's funny like musical I think musical theater and hip hop see rhyme fundamentally differently like hip hop sees slant rhyme and the unexpected rhyme as like that's like the win. If like you don't go moon June, you do some crazy other word it's like "Ah!" whereas like you know, if you have it even slightly off rhyme, musical theater purists will be like, well, that's not a pure rhyme. <laughs> uh, and yet... It's not like, Moon June. They, they, really, they expect Moon June. Yeah, but saying. also, like, I think that what musical theater purists have right is that when it comes to, like, humor, a pure rhyme will, like, land a punchline better than, like, an off rhyme. Like, if it's an off rhyme, you're like, uh, you didn't really get it. But, like, you know, I just saw Kiss Me Kate yesterday and that brush up your Shakespeare and the way Cole Porter fucks with words yep. to make rhymes with Troilus and Cressida. I mean, there's so much joy in that, in making it really rhyme. So, I've thought more about this than most people. <laughs> No, I'm but rambling now. It's, uh, no, I think it's, I'm, I'm going to check my notes, but I think it's paid off for you. Uh, yes, it has. Yes, I see that uh, you've had some success, it says here. Um, you, you know, you talk about these different songs that mean different things to you, and you, one of them is Under Pressure, the, uh, yeah. the, the collaboration uh, between uh, David Bowie and Queen. Yeah. And I'm curious, like, what is it particularly about that song that gets to you? Is it the way it's... Because there's some because because uh, I've always had an I've had an observation about that song and a, and a friend of mine and I were talking about it not long ago and we were the beginning early part of that song the stuff Freddie Mercury is doing is borderline insane yeah you know and and there's um, no reason it should work yes yes and it it is it's like it, an accidental miracle that song right. Right. And the more you read about it, the more you realize they were just fucking around in the studio. I didn't know they that. Got it. I, didn't, I don't even know that right now. Um, and I, well, again, my first introduction was Vanilla Ice's yes. Ice Ice Baby to that <laughs> yeah. bass. I was working at Sound Out Live when Vanilla Ice came on and did Ice Ice Baby. And I remembered writers saying, this is terrible. It's this white punk co-opting. 
And I said, guys, guys, give him a chance. He may be the formative art, art, artist. He flows like a harpoon daily and nightly. <laughs> <laughs> Flowing like a harpoon. That's what he does. Daily. That's what he does. But I remember it sounding to people like, uh, maybe he's going to be like the formative. Oh, no. No. He's, he's, he's just, uh, no. Yeah. We won't, we'll see it him again in a reality show. It was that and Ninja Turtles show. too, and, and then that was that. Um, but yeah, so I knew the bass line first. <laughs> um, and then I heard the song for the first time, and... I just burst into tears every time the David Bowie song. And I think it's because the beginning sounds, I've, I've thought about it a lot. So okay. do you really want like an in-depth yeah. analysis That's what we're here song? for. Yeah. Okay, so first of all, you're right. Freddie Mercury is literally going, do about it. <laughs> like it, straight yes. up scatting, but people, and then he but goes like he's he also goes, saying, bah, 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 bah. and then he goes okay, and you're like what? And, and and I really thought like when he goes okay, I'm like if I was the sound engineer, I'd be like okay, we're taking that out. Yeah, but he says people on the streets, and so okay, that's been established. People on the streets. I don't know what that means. In what context are they marching? Are they sleeping there? Right. Um, but he says it really early, so that by the time Bowie comes in at the end, it's a reprise. Ah, uh, okay. You're actually he's he's actually what he wrote in that section. Cause love such an old fashioned word <laughs> and love does. Um, That's fantastic. Wow. It's. it's He's actually talking about what you've been hearing the whole song. Yes. And that, like, it's about people on the margins of society, and it's about, like, living and surviving under that pressure. And he brings it all together in this crazy, cascading, ascending melody mm -hmm. that doesn't seem to end. Like, you think it's going to end, and it doesn't. Love dares you to... Are you done? Careful, the people on the... Are we done? Edge of the night. The ed so we're now at the people on the edge of the night. We know what they were singing about in the beginning. And love dares you to care... You know, it's like, and it just keeps going yeah. and it builds up all of this. And so I, it just wrecks me every time because it starts so innocuously. Well, I, I responded to this because I, I saw that that was an important song for you. And I have these lists of songs that I can access when I run, when I'm like running on a treadmill. And if I really want to crank it up and I am done, I mean, I'm, I've, I've run for 40 minutes. I'm really tired. I've been running pretty hard. I will, I will access that song. Yeah. I will access that song on my Spotify and suddenly that song starts and I have superhuman powers yeah. because of that song. And it's big, what you're talking about, that ascending, incessant, yeah. it's growing, it's growing, it's growing. And I've found sometimes I'm like, look down when I'm done, when the song is over and my heart rate is like 198. <laughs> you know? yeah. People are resuscitating me with paddles. I don't want to give it all to Bowie too, because also Freddie Mercury singing, why don't we give love one more chance? Like as if like tomorrow is not coming. There's something so powerful about that, about the vocalist and that leading into the final Bowie thesis that is like it's this like raw emotion and then this like brilliant intellect on this ascending melody that's just how'd they get there from dung 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 yeah, yeah. like how'd they get from dung 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 to that okay it's like a little symphony in one pop song it's crazy. I just the beginning part ba 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 yep okay have you ever heard the isolated vocal there's a YouTube of just the isolated vocals and it just it's, oh no I haven't oh it's you'll, amazing you'll be so happy it's okay you'll, you've heard it I'm sorry I'm jumping in again yeah. no, you're, it's amazing you're terrible at rapping and it is amazing <laughs> my yeah. two contributions Conan's uh, terrible are rapping in those isolated vocals. Thanks for uh, mentioning that again, Sona. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break <laughs> and uh, just uh, make very little money. We'll be right back. Hey! Okay! <laughs> so 
Sona, where else can you go surfing and skiing the same day, huh? I don't know. Or check out a world-class art museum and then camp at a dark sky sanctuary that night, huh? Yeah. Yeah, where else can you hike through Redwoods and then get a luxury spa treatment? Where? Well, you live there. California. (laughs) California, Sona. No matter where you go across the state, you'll find a way to play. I'm a California resident. So are you. Sona, you are a lifelong California resident. I'm a lifer. I love this place. This is a beautiful state. Gorgeous. So many different, wonderful ecosystems in one state. You can hang out by a Palm Springs pool. You know, you can go whale watching. You can go hiking in Yosemite. And then uh, talk about the great cities in California. You get all this amazing food, sushi, whatever you want. They got it in California. Hey, If you can't find it in California, man, you got a problem. Yeah. I shouldn't have done that. I made that up on my own. Anyway, I love California. Discover why California is the ultimate playground. Head to visitcalifornia.com to start planning your trip today. You know, it's incredible to have the flexibility to work in all sorts of places, whether it's taking video calls from the park, or emailing large files while you're grocery shopping. Sona, this is good for you. Is it? Because you're always doing whatever work you do for me from fun locations. But I like blaming it on not having reception. I know, but you can't do that here. Working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network, which is why you should check out T-Mobile, Sona. Then you got no excuses. They're America's largest and fastest 5G network. With T-Mobile, you'll be covered in more places with the 5G speed you need for your life on the go. Plus... They also cover more highway miles with 5G than anybody else. Check it out if you don't believe me. Hey, Blay, you've got T-Mobile, right? I do. I was actually just up in the woods in Idlewild. It was fantastic for the weekend. And uh, my T-Mobile didn't miss it. My T-Mobile phone didn't miss it. You know, I wouldn't think you'd need a cell phone because you speak so loudly into a microphone. (laughs) Well, I had to look some stuff up. Just take it it down I didn't know what brunch was. I can hear him. When the restaurant's open for brunch. Okay. uh, So I used uh, my T-Mobile coverage to check out brunch. That's all right. Anyway, wherever you are, you know, take it from the loudspeaking Blay. If you're on the go, you want to be in the know, you want to make the show. What? Uh, T-Mobile. Okay. That's the one for you. That was I should weird. have rhymed it with go. Anyway, <laughs> find out more at tmobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. Fastest based on median overall combined 5G speeds according to analysis by Ookla of Speed Test Intelligence Data Q3 2023. C5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com. in today, Sona, I was thinking about just how much has changed over the years. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid, we were all dancing the jitterbug and the Watusi. Okay. And then you grow up now and there's mosh pits and everything's gone <laughs> cuckoo. There's this new thing called rap. I don't know what's <laughs> happening anymore. But guess what? In a world full of change, there's one thing that hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. The great taste of Miller Lite. Are you with me on oh, this? Oh, yeah. I'm right there with you. Yeah. And you know, another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. Yeah. I hate a filling beer. Yeah. When I have a filling beer, I just want to sit down in a beanbag chair for six days, but not oh. with Miller Lite. So what's the best thing about the original light beer? Mm-hmm. Back in 1975, the big debate in America was what's more important, that it 
It's less filling, Miller Lite, or it tastes great. Yeah. The cool thing is when we all realized it's both. Okay. It's less filling and it tastes great. Yeah, all right. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality. Great taste. Only 96 calories. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and it's less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Conan. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Yeah. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer. Uh, yeah, you know, I think you were worried about going into under pressure because you thought this is going to get too intense. <laughs> and I th- have found in uh, my brief time on this earth, I'm very young, uh, that when people are talking about something they're passionate about, you always get good stuff. Yeah. And it, it can be, you might think, well, do you really want to deep dive on this? No. But also it's thoughts that I have never really said out loud. It's the thoughts I've had when I'm listening to Under Pressure on the Run, like where I'm like rewinding and be like, why is this making me cry? Because right. I think it's important to examine that. I think as an artist, it's, it's important to look at the things you love and like the art that you think is total shit being like, why do I hate this so much? Yeah. Um, like I think is, again, if, if you cultivate that part of your brain, that's, like you, you, you find your own taste, and Here, I think that's here's the part. one of the problems with it is that I sometimes get too much into watching things I hate to take it apart and realizing that I'm picking at a scab. You know, the, the famous yeah. hate watching and sure. hey, let's hate watch this. Isn't it awful? Isn't it terrible? Yeah. And then I do think that if there isn't indeed an afterlife, the first thing they do is show you how much of it your life you spent hate watching something. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? As, as, so, as like a damning, like you realize you watch the original Ocean's Eleven 150 <laughs> times just because the, the, some of the edits are so poor. <laughs> <laughs> right. You're like, I know, I shouldn't have done that. I yeah. apologize. But yeah, Frank Sinatra, the reason I, some of the things fascinate me and my brother Luke is that uh, Frank Sinatra ran the set and he just wanted to be done when he was done. And, and, and he had the director had no power over him. So literally there are moments- It's in all the, first takes. It's all first takes. And there's moments <laughs> in the- movie. There's, a, there's, a, there's, there's moments where uh, Joey Bishop will say his line out of order. He'll start to say his line, realize <laughs> that he's saying it in the wrong order. Someone else then says their line. Then he re-says his line. Yeah. And they kept it in the film. That's, that's because, when they were, because when they were done, they were like, uh, it was like, Frank was like, we're done, we're out. And then uh, someone would say, well, Frank, we actually need to. I said we're out. Know. Well, you know what's so delicious about that is when he did Guys and Dolls, Brando knew that about him. And Brando would fuck up on purpose just to make him, because he wasn't at the point, he wasn't at Ocean's Eleven Rat Pack era yet. He was yeah. still like young, skinny Frank and he yeah. had to work within the system. And Brando's a huge star. And Brando's a huge star and he wanted to play Sky Masterson, but they gave him Nathan Detroit. So watch the scene when he's like, they're trying to do the bet of the cider versus the strudel. Sinatra wants to kill Brando because Brando's like, oh, I fucked it up, can I do it again? <laughs> like he's, he's always like, oh, I don't, remember, I don't remember the line. I'm so sorry, Frank. And Frank is just like, fucking, like his like eyes are bulging out of his head the whole scene. You know what amazes me about that movie is when you're watching uh, the the great scene, come on, you're rocking the boat. Uh, yeah, sit down, oh, your, yeah. Sit Stubby down, K. Rock, Stubby K, sit down, you're rocking the boat. And you're watching that. Frank Sinatra is in the background. I know. When is when else are you going to see Frank Sinatra in the background as one of thirty people I know. doing a supporting chorus part? 
And I, d- that's one of the things that just blows me away about, that was a moment in time when you could put Frank Sinatra, who was a huge star, yeah. but because Brando's in the film and everyone needs to service this incredible musical, he gets stuck. He, hey, Frank, you're in the background and you're just playing support. Yeah. For kids who have no idea what the fuck we're talking about, it's like that one scene in Endgame where they're all standing there. You're like, holy cow, this is an expensive scene for them all to be in frame. These are all big stars in their own right. Yeah. And there's Frank Sinatra just like sitting up and sitting, sitting and standing in right. time. And for those of you who don't know who Frank Sinatra is... <laughs> Uh, you know, there's a Pikachu. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, help me out here. How do I get this? Wait, Squirtle. What? Squirtle. Are you Squir- talking about Detective Pikachu? Uh, sure, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Sure. What? And you're using that to tell people about Frank Sinatra. I'm trying to, uh, as Lynn manuel is no. doing, I'm trying to bring it Just into the- Just say he was famous. He's you know, in Fortnite, guy. you know, when you're when you've got the hang glider and you've got the machine gun, that's sort of Frank Sinatra. Yeah. If he Detective was also- Pichu- Pikachu is basically the man with a golden arm. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's break down most let's, 20th century pop culture this way. Yeah. <laughs> so I had the pleasure of uh, talking to Michelle Obama a couple of times, and recently uh, she was on the podcast, and I I just love this moment. I asked her about it. I don't think we talked about it on the podcast, but when you performed at the White House and you performed, you were working on Hamilton and you performed for the Obamas. And she said, now, what is this about? And you pretty much said, well, it's a, it's a rap, musical, multicultural exploration of Ron Chernow's Alexander. <laughs> Hamilton <laughs> I said it like that. I, I, yeah, you didn't say yeah. it like that. I'm, I'm putting a little mustard on the ball. <laughs> yeah. But you said that, and she was like, yeah, good luck with that. And I just, <laughs> I love you pitching it to the coolest couple in America. And they're like, uh, okay, good luck. Yeah. And I love, too, that you had to, when you announced what it was, people thought it was a joke and you had to say please just hear me out you hear i mean it, it, the 10th anniversary of me performing that was like on sunday so a lot of people posted it mm-hmm. uh, online and i watched it again recently i don't think there is more footage of me being frightened or footage of me being more frightened than i was in that moment because you see me introduce it everyone laughs and i scream you laugh but it's true <laughs> in a milhousean voice <laughs> And I'm stuttering, like, I really, the whole time I'm performing it, I'm looking around for, like, the Apollo Sandman to sweep me off the stage. Um, I had never performed that song in public. Only my wife and Alex Lackamore, my accompanist, had heard the song. But I also thought, if it doesn't work in this room, I'll, like, put it in a drawer and I'll try something else. Who tries something out for the first time in front of the president and the first lady? Who does that? (laughs) Uh, Conrad Birdie. (laughs) (laughs) It was was also, they said, we'd love for you to perform something from In the Heights, which was my first show. I said, unless you have something on the American experience. And I did. Yeah. So I was like, I mean, if these 16 bars about Alexander Hamilton don't work here, and really, that's all it was, um, then it then maybe this is dumb. Maybe this is a dumb idea. But I thought they worked. I thought they were some of my best writing and I just needed to get out in front of it and try it. Um, and then it worked really well. So you left that room knowing, okay, I got this. I've got it. Yeah, it, it really, I, I mean, basically what has happened with the show happened in miniature in that room. It went like, oh my God, this kid's crazy to like rapt attention on the story because the story is compelling. You know, it doesn't need mustard on the ball for me to be compelling, but it's like, oh, I didn't know all that happened to Alexander Hamilton. Oh, you're the guy who shot him and you're in. Um, And so I watched that happen in miniature. And what's, you know, this is a part of the story I don't tell often, but then like 
I got made fun of on the Daily Show the next day. Yeah, like John Stewart was like did like a bit about like spoken word poetry, and he did the like you know like that, and like yeah, just yeah. like and like it was the first you know. I love The Daily Show, and it was the first time I've been on the other side of a clip where they they literally show me going, my name is Alexander Hamilton, and they cut to Jon Stewart and, like, enormous laughter. So, right, like, right. the laughter part of it got amplified. That clip should be burned. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's very apologetic after yeah. he saw the show many, many years later. But it was also, but I knew what happened in the room. So it that didn't deter me. Like, I, I it hurt to be a punchline on TV, but I was like, I know what the song did in the room. I know what that chemical reaction was. Yes. And that was enough to keep me writing. You know, that was the, the, the performance at the White House was such a rare case of like, I'd only written that one song. I didn't have a second Hamilton song to show anyone. Right. It was just that opportunity happened and I presented it at that opportunity. But, you know, to continue writing, it was, again, you're, you're trying to please the room you're in and you're trying to make sure it feels good in that room because you can't, anticipate what the world's going to think. I have you just have no control over that. I have. I think this is hard for people to understand sometimes, but what you can't be thinking about when you're creating Hamilton or you're creating anything, you just have to, if you get into that space of making that thing, you cannot lose your mind over how is this going to look on, a, on a billboard in Times Square? How is this going to look... You know, how, how is this going to look when it's blown up, uh, you know, 150,000 times? You have to just stay in the thing. And now I sound like David Mamet, but you have to stay in the thing yeah. and just do it. And the only stuff, that's all I've ever done is just get in a little space, make something. And then later on, it's an abstraction that, no, 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 it got, people saw it on YouTube. People saw it on television. People saw it wherever they saw it. They saw it in China. They saw it someplace and they liked it. That's an abstraction. Right. You have to just stick into that in, in that thing. And I think a lot of people, a lot of young people who say would be very influenced by you, they sometimes put the, I want to be famous first. Right. And if that's the goal, I'm sure you've had many people uh, say that to you. They're interested in the fame part. They're interested in what they see that you got. And they don't realize that you started from this very insular small place. Yeah. And that was not the goal. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you also... Listen, musicals just take too fucking long. Like, it's if, if you want to get famous, like, don't write musicals. <laughs> that's, a, that's a bad return on your investment. They right. take about five to seven years, and one in five make their money back. Yeah. Maybe that's probably a high figure. That seems very high. That's probably generous. Yeah. Um, so you have to be okay with this thing closing on opening night. You have to be okay enough with what you're making that you're like, all right, if this closes opening night— I got better at what I know how to do. I'm really proud of what we made. I learned something. Like, you have to have reasons that are, because you have no control over the rest of it. You only have control over the thing you are creating. One of the sort of main messages or ideas behind Hamilton is the legacy of what you leave behind. And that's clearly something that resonates with you. No New Year's Day. <laughs> <laughs> and originally that was, you actually did jam that into Hamilton. And uh, then you got into some copyright issues. Uh, it's good that they, they, they got involved and they took it out. Um, and then, and Under Pressure was in Hamilton for a while. <laughs> Yep. Remember when Hamilton was under all that pressure oh, yeah. to form a centralized bank? Yeah, absolutely. And then he went, boop, 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 Yeah, I replaced that with nonstop. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I do think something about, uh, this sounds quaint sometimes when you try and talk about it, but I've always been obsessed with having a body of work. Mm -hmm. Like, here's some stuff I made that's mine. And I think 
I can honestly say that's all I ever wanted. It's nice to be able to have people in a restaurant say, you look taller in person, you know, <laughs> I guess, uh, and, and get a reservation. But most of it, the gravy is that it's just gravy. It, it isn't, it is the having a body of work. And I, I get the sense from you that that is your religion almost is to make this stuff and yeah. make it and craft it and make it just, and then know that it's out there and that must give you immense, uh, I don't know, just satisfaction. Yeah, it, it does. And it's, it's funny because it is very, that part is so nice. You always want to fast forward to that part. We're like fast forward to the part where like, I made the thing, here's the thing. But mm-hmm. My wife was much smarter than me. Always reminds me, you're happiest when you've just finished writing. Yes, it's yes. not actually when you're on stage. It's actually when you come into the room from the other room, being like, "Listen to this," and nothing can happen until my wife listens. To, you know, like I need you to listen to this. It's done, and uh, it's done, and that's the best feeling, and that's the hardest one to hold on to when you've just created a thing um and and in the middle of it in in working it out whether it's a song or whether it's a scene uh, or whether it's an act um you know the actual making of it is the best part of it um and and holding on to that because i think one of the themes of hamilton with regards to legacy is that you don't even control that right. you know uh every single one of hamilton's enemies became president <laughs> yeah. yeah it was it was you know it was jefferson mm-hmm. uh then it was madison then it was john quincy adams mm-hmm. uh oh no it's james monroe who he almost got into a duel with he thought james monroe leaked uh the reynolds papers uh and then uh john quincy adams the son of uh the beloved john adams um so it was that's four people who were just not either going to talk shit about him or not talk about him at all. Um, and so even though he accomplished all this stuff, you know, he is, he was, when I picked up that, you know, it's different now, but when I picked up that biography, all I knew was that he died in a duel um, and he's on the 10. Um, I didn't know any of that other stuff. What's fascinating to me, and I'm an American history buff, and I had uh, read about Hamilton uh, prior to the musical and uh, I had actually seen his, uh, is it in Nevis? Mm-hmm. I had been to Nevis and, and dragged... Uh, yeah, the my, house think, with the sign that says... <laughs> yes, my girlfriend at the time to, to like, we've got to go see Alexander Hamilton's home. And she uh, had the appropriate response. Which was like, the, <laughs> or we could go to the beach. <laughs> yeah, do they serve drinks there? Um, and uh, they did not. Uh, but I was aware of him. But what's interesting is that you have single-handedly... I think I, I was somewhere and there was like a statue of Alexander Hamilton and people were gathered around it like it was a statue of, it, you know, it was here in New York and there's a, somewhere there's a statue or obelisk has Alexander Hamilton's name on it and people were uh, uh, gathered around it taking pictures and stuff and I thought this didn't happen right. before uh, Hamilton the musical it just it didn't happen it's it's in one fell stroke and and I don't think. I mean, it's revenge is a, a dish best served cold, but you think about all of his enemies, and I don't think there's going to be any smash hit musicals about them. You know? Well, there have been two musicals about Ben Franklin. That's mm-hmm. why I didn't put him in. I was like, he's had his time. Right. Uh, there have been, there's a musical about Jefferson, I believe. Um, 1776 exists. 1776, yeah. That's yeah. The, yeah. Um, so, you know, they've, they've had, they've all had, they've had a had sh- bats. Yeah. <laughs> they've had at bats. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, but it's, um, I, I think what that speaks to is um, the way art sort of makes us empathize in a totally different way. The, the moving thing to me is that 
Angelica Schuyler Church's gravestone, which was like unmarked at Trinity Church, right. is now marked um, because we mentioned it in the finale of the thing. And people, I think a lot of people were showing up to Trinity Church being like, well, where's Angelica's headstone? Um, and that's a detail I only knew from Ron's book. And I, that's the line that makes, that made me cry when I was writing it. Oh, wow. I mean, here's a, like, there are people who cry at the end of that finale. It's pretty fucking relentless, but yeah. no one cried harder than me as I was writing it. Oh. Cause I was just taking facts from like the last chapter of Chernow's book and be like, an orphanage. And my wife who is a scientist and lawyer was just sort of looking at me like, do you want water or something? I was like, no, this is how it has to come out. <laughs> like I was in labor. Like, and my dog is like, <laughs> and I'm like, and then she's buried next to him, yeah. <laughs> but she was never with him. Wow. You write out loud. <laughs> I, I, it's, it's a lot of ugly. It's a lot of ugly cry to get you to ugly cry. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, uh, God bless uh, these people in our lives that help us out. Yeah. You know, my wife uh, is fantastic at constantly reminding me how my machine works and occasionally doesn't work. And just very, when I'm getting intense, she's like, uh-huh, yeah, this is what you do. Yeah, this is what you do. Well, you just finished, a sh you know, you're about to go back to work, so you're making yourself hate yourself so you can generate that. That's just that thing that you do. Yeah, and it was just, yeah, exactly. She's And it's very helpful to have someone say- It is. I've read the warranty for the Conan or the, the Conan product. I, I'm the one who read the instruction yeah, manual. I have the instruction manual. It says right here that this is what you do in these situations. Yep. And I go, oh, yeah. Yeah, my wife is like, you can stop having that argument in your- head and just go on to the next thing. Now, I met you a couple of times now and you're such a, a genuinely uh, nice person and you have everything in perspective. There had to be on some level, the success, the insane success of Hamilton. Did that put you back on your heels a little bit? Like, hold, do you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> Like, because oh, uh, for it, there was this period of time that I think is still ongoing where people are like, oh my God, and bowing down in a way that is beautiful, but for an egomaniacal freak would seem like, well, of course, this is what I deserve. But for you, was is any of it get to be difficult or strange to handle? Or I, I had a couple of uh, very unique advantages. Tommy Kale will joke to you, Lynn has been famous in his own mind his entire life and everyone else is just caught up. Good. That's good. his joke on it. And it's only partly true. Like really right. since Conrad Birdie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but also I, I think that because it happened, by the time it happened, I was like, married and with a kid and pretty much knew who I was. Like if this had happened yes. on my first show, um, you know, in my twenties, I don't know that I would, but I already, I already knew what I wanted to be doing with my life. Um, and so when you know that the crazy offers and the crazy things that come at you, when that level of success happens, I have like a filter and a support system that knows like, well, you don't want to do that. It sounds crazy. And 12 year old, you might've wanted to do that or 22 year old, you might've wanted to do that. But you know, that's, that's not going to help you with what you're doing. Like you're writing, you're like the Disney songs right now and yeah. you want to start writing your next show and you want to survive this year of seven shows a week. Yeah. Um, is that going to help you? Um, and so, and so I think one thing was actually doing a show, seven shows a week. You can't go out every night. I couldn't go and say yes to half of the offers that were coming because I had a two show day the next day. So that kept me humble and grounded. Like literally your focus is so much on your health when you're doing a Broadway run. And two, like 
I know who I, I knew who I was and I have friends around me who know who I am. Like I remember coming home from a meeting with a pretty famous director who wanted to direct me in a Super Bowl commercial that year in 2016. Mm-hmm. And it was a car commercial and it was the, the pitch was like, you're getting out of the Rogers and you throw your jacket over your shoulder and you get into this brand name car and drive off. And <laughs> I sort of said it to my wife and I told her who the director was who pitched it to me. And she was like, Lynn, you, you have a car. <laughs> you don't know how to drive. <laughs> yeah. I'm one of the rare city kids who actually does have their license, but I was like, yeah, I don't have a car. I'm not going to do that commercial. Yeah. I'm not going to do that Super Bowl commercial. That's, I would laugh at me. <laughs> yes. I read somewhere that you like to compare yourself at your age to what other people accomplished at the same age. I think that, that's, a, that's an, an affliction many of us share. Yes. And I had this crazy, it occurred to me because I'm, uh, I'm a big Lincoln buff and you always think of Lincoln dying as like this old he's old lincoln he's you know he's the he's the aging uh wizened wrinkled bearded you know uh and he's and uh i just turned in april the same age that lincoln was when he died and well, how like, old was he when he died he's 56 oh wow and i was like what how is that no he was i'm the young sprightly carrot top quickster of late night <laughs> I'm the Sprite. I'm the laughing leprechaun of late night. And suddenly I, I'm like, no. <laughs> You're old man Lincoln of comedy. <laughs> yeah. Well, as, as, as uh, someone who grew up Catholic, did, I mean, there's constant, like when you hit 33, you were like, oh shit. Yeah. Jesus year. Jesus, that's the year. <laughs> that's Jesus, the year. yeah, that's that's the Jesus year. Can I right. outlast the Jesus year? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, for me, it was like twenty seven, the twenty seven club. Like it's it's sort of like I have like mile markers of like when people died who like accomplished incredible things. The Beatles like quit before they were thirty. They did everything they did before they were thirty. Yeah. So it's like we're all fucked. Like none of us. Well, can they ru- up the to Beatles that. ruin it for everybody. Yes, because the Beatles fuck up the curve because, so bad. Yeah, there. You, if you're if you're going for like you know maybe I'm doing my best. No, no, no. They were they were. Don't compare yourself to the Beatles. Yes. Way lies madness. Yeah, it's uh, but there were four of them, and uh, <laughs> you've now done that for other people because now other people are going to be like I didn't. Lin Manuel Miranda wrote Hamilton when he was you know yeah. I haven't done. And that Andrew Lloyd Webber had written three musicals by the time he was twenty one. Right. Again, fucked up the curve. Most serial killers have done their best work. <laughs> Oh, my God. Well, they do. Before they're 35. Oh it's a God. young man's game. Oh, it's God. a young man's game. <laughs> it's different. Um, I, uh, I just was so delighted when you said that you were uh, up for doing this, uh, this podcast because it's a very different format from the show. I didn't know when I got into doing a podcast what it was I would be able to explore or how is this going to be different than television. And you're the perfect example of why... I'm delighted to fly to New York and sit in a studio and get a chance to just go down the mine shaft and yeah. and experience your uh, your remarkable brain firsthand over like a nice quiet period of time. I just it's a thrill for me. Oh, thank you. Yeah, Likewise, just I'm, a, you just, know, I'm such a long time fan of yours, and it's just it's a dream to get to talk did, to you for real, for real. You did something so sweet. I have a hard time ever accepting that I've done anything. I'm just that's my default setting and and when i saw hamilton at the at the end at the curtain call 
I, I never think people can see me and you saw me and You're you did- very tall. Yeah, I'm very tall. I forget that. And you did the quick little <laughs> string dance that I you know, do where I pretend I have invisible strings. Type. You did that for me looking right at me and I, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I just, cause I had just had this remarkable experience seeing Hamilton for the first time. And then you saw me and you did this little thing and it got, it just, uh, it was such a sweet. Well, isn't live theater the fucking best? It is. Because that could not have happened if I'd made a TV show and then just reached out and did the string dance for you. You could have. You could have made everyone endure that just because you knew that I'd be watching it. Uh, and I'm so uh, such an egomaniac that I think that would be appropriate. <laughs> that if but, you did, then Hamilton the movie, it should end with a string dance because you know that I'll be in one of the theaters seeing it. Well, God bless you. Uh, thank you uh, for everything on behalf of everybody in the world who likes goodness. Thank you. Thank you, Conan. Dream come true talking to you. I gotta say, everywhere I go, people are talking about Monopoly Go. And oh. for good reason. It's an absolute hit! Yeah. I love Monopoly. People love Monopoly. And look, Monopoly's been around for a very long time. It's one of the oldest board games ever, okay? Okay. But lately I walk around and I just hear like, Monopoly Go, Monopoly Go, Monopoly Go. And I'm like, hey, what's going on? What are you guys talking about? And they say, we're playing Monopoly Go. You can play it with your family, your friends. It's a straight delight. There's always something new to do partner events where you can build on each other's boards and crazy tournaments with team events you can recruit your friends for, or you can just compete to outdo them all on the leaderboards. Mm. And when you're not messing with your family and friends, Monopoly Go is always throwing new stuff at you. They have taken Monopoly to the next level. I didn't think Monopoly had to go to the next level, but they did. (laughs) There's timed events like massive multipliers for all your winnings and challenges like treasure hunts or money sprees that have fun new mini games. Plus, with tons of rewards to collect, like stickers for trading with friends and hilarious emojis that are perfect for gloating, there's always a reason to dip back in. Yeah. Man, they cracked it, you know? They did. So join the fun. Download Monopoly Go now free on the App Store and Google Play. Come on, if most people are being honest, no one really knows what you do for work, right? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, especially if you're in a what I like to call B2B. Oh, you know? what, what is that? I'll explain. Okay. That's a business doing business with other businesses. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I call it B2B. It's a little thing. It's also, uh, it's a boy band I'm working on. <laughs> anyway, fortunately, LinkedIn has a network of professionals who get what you do, and you can reach the right people who matter most to your company because they're LinkedIn. Yeah. That's what they do. LinkedIn has over, this is the fun part to say, 1 billion members. Are you serious? Yeah. That's not, that's more people than are on earth because there are people on the moon using it and Saturn. (laughs) That's one over 1 billion members on its platform, including 70 million decision makers. God, I'd like to meet a decision maker. Since LinkedIn members are regularly updating their work history, you can precisely build a target audience by job title, industry, company, and more. Man, you can reach the right people for your, I'm going to say it again, B2B business with LinkedIn ads. Gets even better because LinkedIn will give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Hmm. There you go. Just go to linkedin.com slash Team Coco to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash Team Coco. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. I 
I should mention that uh, for quite a while now, Matt Gorley has been on hiatus. You've been on vacation. Where'd you go, Matt? I went to Thailand for a wedding. Yeah. yeah. We taped uh, some great podcasts while you were gone. I missed, uh, I was so sad to miss this. What did you miss? Heart. You missed Newhart? I, I was so, so sad to miss you Newhart. Missed Howard, I almost came back early. <laughs> you missed Newhart. You missed Howard Stern. And Lin-Manuel Miranda. All and of Lin-Manuel yeah. Miranda. You missed a lot of great ones. Yeah. And, then and you know what's so interesting? It felt like the podcast really soared. Hmm. It just, hmm. <laughs> it just, it took off. Hmm. Really? And, yeah. We got a lot I, of- I listened and it seemed to be missing something substantial. What do you think it was missing? Oh, I don't want to say it. We did miss you. I know I rib you. Yeah, I, I give you, I Josh you. I we did you miss guys. you, Gorley. You add, you are the secret sauce. No. I like to call you. Not no. a good sauce, no. but a secret. <laughs> it's like when someone spits in a soup. It's a secret, but no one's thrilled about it. Uh, you are the secret sauce. You're a good man. Uh, we did miss you, and uh, I'm glad you're back. Thank you. Thank you. I did notice something, though. Did you listen to them? Yeah, I did. Okay. Yeah, I noticed that I was still on the podcast. <laughs> Ah, yes. Okay. Um, and no, I, we, we had taped some segments ahead of time for the end, but in the intro, which I wasn't there for, I was still uh, in those intros. Mm-hmm. Okay, let me explain what happened. Yeah, yeah, I'd like to hear. Because we are, this show is all about honesty. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just said that, it's not true, <laughs> which actually defeats the purpose of me saying it's all about honesty. I didn't want people to feel that a piece was missing. I respect that, yeah. Okay, so in the moment, I asked... Adam Sachs, if he would pretend to be you. Mm. And so let's see if we can, Adam's here right now. Let's see if we can recreate that moment. I would say, um, and I'm also joined by uh, Matt Gorley. Matt, how are you? Hi. That's that's what Sachs did. Wait a minute. That's Sachs. Mm-hmm. Do it again. The face is the thing that is. You didn't know I did the face? No. He so does your I face to too. Character. Hi. Hi, you make me sound like I'm 12 years old. <laughs> well, basically, guess what? Hi, hi. That's how I see did you, that. Matt. Now, what was really fun <laughs> is he did that the first time and we got yeah. away with it. Yeah. Second time, I couldn't help it. I had to push it. So I think I was like- It was torture. It was torture. <laughs> it was. I think I said to Adam, and how are you? And he did. Hi. And then I went, yeah, but really, how are you? What's going on? And then you were laughing really hard, but you also had to- Oh, I was really confident in my high. I feel like I have the high on lockdown. The high is, you got it, yeah. Mm-hmm. But the wheels come off when I have to do anything more than high. And I so, knew that. And, and I know that you knew that, and I could see in your eyes that you smelled blood. <laughs> I smelled blood, so yeah. I think I forced you to talk more. Yeah, I think we, we, we might even have Do you want to play a little yeah, clip? Yeah, let's play yeah. You can always wave me off if you think this opener is just terrible. It's great. Really? Mm-hmm. Thanks, Gorley. <laughs> uh, joined here by my uh, trusty assistant, Sona Mosesian. How are you, Sona? I'm doing very well. Thank you. And of course, Matt Gorley's here. Hi. Matt uh, is quite a sharp dresser. He is. Yeah, you're looking very sharp, He's Matt. He's wearing you... suspenders, which suspenders is weird. Suspenders today. Sona, at you such a... Oh. What do you call it? Uh, what's the nickname for it? Not a hipster. Uh, yeah, he's kind of a hipster. <laughs> okay. Come on, girl. You have yeah. this coming. You wore suspenders today. And a wool cap. Yeah. So he has a wool cap yeah. and suspenders. Yeah. And he's got Hi. a little pipe. He's no. got one of those Meerschaum pipes tucked into his pocket. <laughs> You're a ridiculous person. It's a tiny pipe. Okay, it is a tiny pipe. Anyway, the fact that he's not defending himself uh, is just a sign that uh, that we're right. Yeah, I think And he's so. wrong. 
Let's get to the show, shall we? Okay. Wow. You should probably take a <laughs> the wheels are way off at this point. Oh. Gorley, you're sounding a little hoarse. Okay. God, he's like a little wood creature. I know. I've okay. never heard him take it like this before. Yeah. <laughs> I guess he knows when he's been bested. Yeah. Okay. Clearly. So Can I say something? Okay. I just love how Sona, first of all, fantastic job <laughs> of turning on Gorley. Yeah. I'm the minute so I sorry. leave. The minute he leaves. Wow. I'm so ashamed. And then laying on a uh, wool cap. I mean, yeah. we made you look like a fool. Can I say something? A very close friend of mine, shout out to Daniel Michikov, came over and he said, I can't believe you let them do that without, usually you fire back. Like you really let them give it to you. And you took <laughs> yes, yes. And he no? bought it. He believed it. Wow. And I went, what are you talking about? No, that wasn't me. You couldn't tell. I thought that was very clear. No, oh it was not God. clear. Wow. Uh, very good job. Uh, tip Thanks. of the cap to I, Adam Sachs for uh, also selling out an old friend yes. in uh, Matt yeah, Gorley. Yes. I know where I stand here. Look. You're back. We're glad to have you back. I'm glad because you're an important member of the team. And if something were to happen to you, we'd get someone else immediately, and things would just sail along. But you'd still be missed eventually. Yeah, I appreciate that. And same here. And even though you guys all, what's that? You think same here? You think I could be replaced? No, I meant I agree that I could be replaced. Oh, that's terrible. Don't put yourself down like that. You could not be replaced. You're irreplaceable. You can't be replaced. Yeah, thanks. I'm so sorry that I piled on. Yeah, Yeah. I know. I don't know. You guys really, the three of you took, I was gone for a little bit and you really went. No, it was a long time to leave for a wedding. The show must go on. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I forgive you guys. Not that you're apologizing, but I do. No, we're not. We're not apologizing. But still, I forgive you. Okay. Yeah. Well, we're all together and I will say this about this podcast. We will always strive for honesty here. We are, oh, God. We will. <laughs> oh, my God. We will. We are journalists of the highest order, and we will always strive to bring you the truth. And so if there is any deception, we will come clean. Um, I want to make sure, if any of you feel that there are issues you want to bring up. Oh, God. That Jeez. you tell me, because I want this to be a an honest environment. You're the last person I yeah, would bring issues up with. it's not a safe place to do that, no. It would be, you no. would just make yeah. fun of yeah. both of us. Yeah, I'm not going to set myself up for that. Are you kidding? No, no way. It doesn't sound like, I feel like the person you're describing is not the person I think I am. Yeah, I think that's true. <laughs> I think of myself as a supportive person who, who listens and, um, and I don't take, you know, cheap shots or anything like that. No. No. You know? No. Well, what else do we talk about? You want to do a quick, uh, you guys close your eyes and then you can tell whether it's me or Adam speaking. Okay, go okay. ahead. Ready? Okay. Hi. Uh, that's Shirley Temple. <laughs> I think that, I don't know. Wait. Wait here, no, no, go again. Same person or? Uh, just whatever. Okay. Hi. That's Adam. That's Adam. Hi. That's That's Corley. Matt. Hi. That's, that's, that's Adam. That's Adam. Hi. That's Matt. That's Matt. Hold on. We got to get better at this. Yeah, I think the fact that you're going. (laughs) (laughs) It's like you're playing a lame game of ping pong. Did it ever occur to you that maybe one of you would go twice in a row? Didn't occur to me. Wow. Me either. You guys are just having so much fun. You guys are absurd. That was terrible. That was not well thought out. You go, then out. We're going to fool them. You go, then I'll go. Then you go, then I'll go. Okay. We were in it for a while. Matt, that's Matt. That's Adam. One that's more time. Matt. One more time. That's Adam. <laughs> you know what I love? This is just a terrible, like, this is a, a jeopardy for really dumb people. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And the prize is nothing. Here we go. Hi. Adam. Uh, yeah, I think that's Adam. Hi. That's Adam. That's Adam. 
Now I knew I, you were going to do yeah, it. Yeah, you just are now doing it. We just Damn. suggested right. you try a strategy. You did it right away. We're not the best psychological <laughs> games. No, Can I just no. quickly <laughs> apologize to anyone who's listening right now who's driving? Um, this might put you to sleep. Uh, just pull over to the side of the road. And if you can... Uh, you should probably switch to a different podcast because this is a disaster. Oh, man. So this is so dumb. This yeah. is a new. Yeah. Sona and I have our eyes closed, <laughs> and you two idiots are going, hi, 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 hi. And somehow hi. this is one of my and favorite this, moments and this ever is, done. This is. Oh, this is fun. I mean, we live in a world oh. where there's 3D. <laughs> Incredible CGI, yeah. and we are huddled around microphones. I've crawled back to the lowest form of show business. Oh, close your eyes. Hi, 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 hi. Will's losing it. Will is losing it. Will is crying. Will is crying. We're pushing the medium, man. We're pushing yeah. the medium. This We're taking chances, man. Yeah. We're right. taking chances. Well, um, I'm. I'm proud of us. <laughs> I think we, uh, why'd it get so quiet? Oh, you guys aren't God. usually that attentive to me. I think we're just like, thought maybe you'd deliver a positive moment and we we're like, this can't be real. Oh, no, it wasn't real. Okay. No, I would never praise us. I would praise myself, but not us as a group. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would, I would what? Praise myself. I would. I but would not say, us as a group. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, what an awful thing to say. <laughs> it's kind of, that's my, uh, I don't know, that's probably my philosophy in life. I will praise myself. Now we're being music. honest. Here we go. We did yeah. it. Yeah. Um, we're back together as a family. Yep. The three, and I'm not going to say amigos. Uh, the one amigo and then the two people that the amigo knows, kind of, who work for the amigo. How about the one amigo and then the two people who You literally, get... you can't be one amigo. Yeah, you need to have a friend, friend to be a friend. We're the friends. You're just the bandito. Or yeah. No. <laughs> you, you hang on to our friendship. So you're the two amigos and yeah. I'm the bandito? Yeah. No, I am the amigo and you're the two people that work for one amigo. <laughs> No, I That's think how Matt it works. and I are the friends. And, yeah. and out of the beneficence and generosity of the amigo, you two uh, have livings, and so you were able to be sustained. Oh, wow. That's the kind of amigo no, I am. you're the evil ranch, <laughs> rancher. <laughs> you're the oh, villain. All right. Okay. Let's um, go. Let's go. I, listen, you wanted content, I gave you content. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. People oh. are thinking they're listening to a Japanese game show. <laughs> Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend with Sonam Obsessian and Conan O'Brien as himself. Produced by me, Matt Gorley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco and Chris Bannon and Colin Anderson at Earwolf. Special thanks to Jack White for the theme song. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blayert and the show is engineered by Will Beckton. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts and you might find your review featured on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It too could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf.
Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. You can start your day off right. When you find a professional on Angie to get your plumbing right first. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that.